for the show that takes dog training beyond your backyard. It's Bark Talk with Bonnie. Brought to you by Advanced Canine Techniques, your dog training specialists. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bark Talk with Bonnie. I wanted to take a few minutes today to talk about the differences between a therapy dog, an emotional support dog, and a service dog. I often get a lot of questions about those three um, options for people, and those are very, all of those dogs provide very different services for people. So let's talk about therapy dogs first. This is probably my area of expertise since I've had. Um, three retired, well, I've had three therapy dogs in the past and I currently have um, a therapy dog now. So a therapy dog is a dog that you actually take into a nursing home, a hospital, a school, a library, or even now a lot of funeral homes are requesting therapy dogs. Um, And basically they provide comfort to people um, in nursing homes and hospitals and they also assist children with reading um, with Um, reading skills in schools and libraries. So if you are looking to volunteer and we have um, teachers that take dogs to school with them to use in the classroom, we have nurses that might take dogs to hospitals, you know, maybe when they're not working to utilize with patients, there's a lot of benefits and and resources to utilizing therapy dogs. Um, But the biggest thing that you want to think about if you want your dog to be a therapy dog is they need to be outgoing They need to be friendly. They need to be comfortable around lots of different people, lots of different noises. Um, And then you work on making sure that they have good obedience skills and good skills when they're out in public. You don't want a therapy dog that's jumping up on people or a therapy dog that um, is licking people constantly. Um, You want to make sure that your your therapy dog is well-behaved. I think, unfortunately, some people, you know, have the best of intentions and have time to volunteer, but their personal dog or the dog that they have currently may not meet the requirements to be a therapy dog. Maybe it's shy around people. Maybe it's scared of loud noises. Maybe it doesn't like to travel in the car. Those are all things where you can't make your dog be something that they're not. Um, And that's really important to kind of keep in mind. And a lot of times, if you have questions, that's what trainers are for, where we can come over and we can evaluate your dog and let you know, yeah, hey, this would be a perfect candidate. I'd much rather have an exuberant, enthusiastic dog. We can curb enthusiasm. Maybe they're not ready to be tested or to be certified when they turn one. Maybe they need a couple more years to mature and then they'll be ready to go. As you are looking at therapy dogs, um, and it is a wonderful volunteer opportunity. I mean, I've gotten so much out of visiting. Um, I've been to hospitals, nursing homes, libraries, and schools. I've been, I've been all a variety of different, I actually even attended a funeral. Um, and I've, I've thoroughly given as much as I've gotten out of all of those different experiences. In my dogs, I found each fit a different particular area. You know, my lab, Sandy, she was my nursing home girl. Like she loved the residents in the nursing home. She, I mean, we would go there once a week. As she got older, we, our visits, you know, maybe twice a month. But she absolutely loved the nursing home. My Golden Ranger, he loved the students in the schools. He loved the libraries. He was all about the little kids. Shelby was really nice. She was all around. I could really take her pretty much anywhere. She was good in big crowds and in big public places. So at demo events, at funerals or things like that, she was the perfect for that because she she didn't mind crowds. She just paid attention to me and just went up to people and was and was really calm and provided that, um, that comfort that a lot of people need when you're looking for a therapy dog. 
A lot of things to look at. I am an evaluator for Therapy Dog International. That is not the only therapy dog organization out there. So depending on where you live, you may find an organization that meets your needs a little bit better, that may be focused more on your specific area of the country. Um, I know sometimes in certain cities they might have certain therapy dog organizations. There's Therapy Dog Incorporated. There's Love on a Leash. There's Pause for a While. Um, there's a number of different therapy dog organizations out there. So a lot of times I would encourage you to look at where you want to go with your dog. Do you want to go into the school? Um, find out if that's an option. Find out what you need to do to make that happen. Um, the same as if you want to go into a nursing home or if you want to go into a hospital. Um, some places have strict requirements in terms of what you need to do as a volunteer. Um, I know volunteering at the hospital, you have to get a flu shot, you have to get a TB test, you have to go through a volunteer organization. So there's a number of things. Some some places, if you volunteer, may require you to get a background check. They may require you to get fingerprinted, whatever that process might entail, especially if you might be working with, you know, juvenile delinquents or working with, um, with a youth opportunity center. So find out what the volunteer requirements are Make sure you're comfortable with that. Sometimes you might have a goal of what you want to do, and then you get your dog certified and find out, oh, there's no way I'm getting a shot. <laughs> so that, you know, then you have to, have to change your plans a little bit. Um, so find out what the requirements are and find out if there are any specific um, testing organizations that they will or will not allow. Um, I know some places specifically want maybe pet partners. Maybe they don't want Therapy Dog International. Maybe they want a specific, maybe they want you to have your dog retested every certain number of years. So find out what those requirements are. If they're broad in general, then then you can get certified through any organization that kind of that meets your requirements. But like I said, in terms of temperament for the dog, we are looking for a dog that has basic obedience manners, um, that can leave food and water on the floor, that's comfortable around medical equipment, comfortable walking up to various people um, and being petted. Um, a lot of times you run into maybe it's somebody that's really tall, maybe it's somebody that's making a loud noise or has a breathing machine. If there's anything that is startling to your dog, you want to work on training to get them more comfortable around that. Um, you don't want to um, offend anybody or have anybody be be afraid of your dog if you take them into a place specifically for petting or for um, for, um, for companionship. So that's really important to kind of keep in mind in terms of the temperament of your dog and what you're looking for. Um, and then, like I said, good obedience, um, good in public, um, comfortable driving different places, places that you'd be um, comfortable take going with your dog. And then along with that, in terms of therapy dog volunteering, you yourself need to be somewhat of an extrovert. You need to be a little outgoing. You're going to need to initiate conversation with people. You're going to want to go up and say, hi, my name's Bonnie. You know, I, here's my therapy dog, Sandy. Would you like, you know, would you like to pet her and, and wait for an answer? Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it may be no. And if that's the case, you want to maybe move on to the next patient or the next room. Um, but you're going to want to initiate that conversation, ask people how they're doing. You know, when you are visiting with, with therapy dogs, you may be interacting with the patient. You may be interacting with their family. You might be interacting with the doctors and nurses. You might be interacting with the therapist. There's a variety of people that you might have interactions with. Um, so the more that you can just kind of adapt as you go, I think that that is really, um, I think that that's really beneficial. Um, you don't necessarily want to be, 
walking into a facility with your dog and then not talking to anybody um, because you're not going to be able to show off your dog very well if you're hiding in a corner. So the more, so you do want to be a little bit of an extroverted when you are, when you are visiting with your dog. And that is something else to kind of keep in mind. And some people are more comfortable with kids. Some people are more comfortable with elderly. Some people like um, maybe that teenage population. So you'll find the population that works best for you and your dog. Volunteering should be something that you enjoy, not something that you dread. So you want it to be a positive experience um, no matter where you go. So those are some things to keep in mind um, as you look at having a therapy dog. And every organization may have different rules. Um, Typically, they want the dog to be about a year old. Um, Typically, they do want them to have good obedience skills, be able to um, have some good um, temperaments um, and be able to accomplish a certain number of, of tasks. So so those are things to kind of keep in mind. And you can contact different organizations. Most of them all have websites and Facebook pages. Like I said, I am an evaluator for Therapy Dog International. So if you have questions on, you know, um, getting certified through that particular organization, I'm happy to answer those questions for you. I'm happy to assess your dog um, and give you more information on what that process specifically entails. Um, the other Um, two options that we're going to talk about are emotional support dogs and service dogs. I'm going to talk about service dogs first. Um, Service dogs are dogs that are um, either bred or trained to mitigate a disability for a person. So they might be a, a guide dog for the blind. They might be a seizure alert dog, a diabetic alert dog. Some of them are trained as, um, Service dogs for post-traumatic stress disorder, depending on what um, what incident the um, the person is coming from. But basically, but they have had specific training and will alert and respond to that instance um, and bond with a specific handler. Um, a lot of organizations breed train breed. Um, breed service dogs and then and then pick from those specific litters. Many times, those puppies either. Um, are raised with trainers or with puppy raisers and then come back to the organization at about a year, 18 months, and then they're health tested and then they're temperament tested again. Um, There's a lot of quality control that goes in to providing service dogs to um, people with disabilities. Um, And that's something to keep in mind. Um, And I I can't stress enough, and one thing that really frustrates me is people taking their well-behaved pets and passing them off as service dogs in the community. One, it's against the law. And two, you are potentially ruining the experience for someone that really, truly does need a service dog. You know, you might have a well-behaved dog, but if they, for whatever reason, lunge at a cart in a grocery store or get get spooked by a car backfiring in a parking lot and lose control or, you know, have a bad experience, and then for whatever reason... um, you know, run after somebody that has a legitimately trained service dog, I mean, that can be thousands of dollars potentially thrown out the window. I mean, there are people that have had to, um, you know, either stop using their service dog or surrender them um, or um, wash them out because they didn't meet requirements for what the dogs needed to do um, and what they needed to be exposed to. Um, There are a lot of people that call and want to have a service dog, and they may legitimately need a service dog too. But one thing that you have to keep in mind is not every dog has the temperament and personality and work ethic needed to be a service dog. There are some specific um, 
temperament tests that a lot of breeders and organizations and puppy raisers will do um, to try to ensure that. And again, you're doing these testings when the puppies are probably eight to 10 weeks old. So that's not an indication that, okay, yes, this is a solid pup. It's definitely going to be a service dog material. When it gets older, 12 to 16 months, we may do some x-rays and decide, oh, you know, the hips aren't good or the legs aren't good. It's not going to be able to fulfill its purpose in that regard. So there's a lot of things that you want to think about in terms of temperament. You want to, you do need a confident, outgoing, social puppy. A timid, shy, fearful dog is not going to make a good service dog. Um, in terms of looking for a service dog, you need a dog that is going to be comfortable in all of the different surroundings, noises. Um, I want it to be most focused on the handler itself as opposed to the environment. Um, I know a number of people that have been fortunate enough to get um, a washed out service dog um, in, that had in, that had great manners, but possibly was too um, interested in smelling the ground or interested in squirrels and rabbits in the yard and was not going to be focused on its handler when they were outside, when there was distractions present. So those are all things that you have to look at when you look at possibly, possibly using a, a service dog too. Um, and then the biggest thing is to just do lots of um, training, um, you want to make sure that you are setting that puppy up for success in every possible environment. Um, and, and working with a trainer, working with, with somebody that can help you with that um, is definitely key. You want to make sure that you're not, you know, posing your dog when it's not ready taking it out into the community, posing it as a service dog, posing it as a service dog in training, um, posing it as an emotional support dog, um, you know, just to be able to take it into a restaurant or to be able to fly with it or to be able to have it in a hotel room with you. Um, like you, like ideally, if you're going to have a service dog, one, you should have a legitimate need. You should have um, a reason that you would need to have it. Um, and the other thing that I'll say about service dogs too is, if you do have a service dog, in terms of going into a business, a business is allowed to ask you if, you're, if your dog is a service dog, and you should honestly be able to answer yes or no. If you answer yes, you will hopefully be able to back that up. Um, and then, it, obviously, if you answer no and it is not a pet-friendly establishment, they do have the right to ask you to leave. They can also ask you what tasks your dog has been trained to perform for you. You know, and, and ideally, you need to be able to answer that thoroughly as well. Um, just saying, you know, my dog can, you know, pick up medication for me. Well, I mean, my dog can fetch a pill bottle for me too. That doesn't necessarily make it a service dog. So you want to make sure that you're very, in, you know, explaining what your dog is um, been trained to do for you. And you don't have to disclose your disability. That's not required at all. And, you know, anybody that asks you that, you, I mean, it's important for you to, to know what the, um, Americans with Disabilities Act, um, what those laws are, what they are for you, where you're wanting to take your, where you're wanting to take your dog. It's important for you to be, um, to be familiar with that because as even, even as a service dog owner, and it's unfortunate that that responsibility falls on you, but a lot of times they do have to educate business owners and they need to educate the public. Um, one thing, just being in public, if you see somebody with a service dog, the most respectful thing that you can do truly is leave them alone. They don't want to be asked where their dog was trained, what their dog's name is, oh, how cute their puppy is, can they get a picture with your puppy? Like, they're just trying to go about their day, run their errands, do what they need to do without being bothered. Um, I know a lot of friends that have um, that have service dogs, and it's more than frustrating to try to run into Target, pick up a prescription, buy one thing that they need, and 
45 minutes later, they're finally coming out of the store and they didn't even end up getting what they needed on the list because they just got frustrated and, and got up and left. Or that they walk into a store um, and they're asked to leave, even though they're a legitimate service team because other dogs have ruined it for them. So those are things that you really want to kind of keep in mind. And sometimes there are things you just haven't thought of. Sometimes it's just a matter of making sure that um, that your dog is trained as well as it can be. Can it pass a public access test? Test Is it, you know, does it have its, not that it needs to have its canine good citizen, but those are all things that I would look to make sure that the dog can do in addition to being task trained. And that means that any time that this instance happened, the dog can perform this task each and every time. It's not just a, oh, my dog alerts me every time I have an asthma attack. Um, it needs to be trained to do that. So there is um, definitely training that does have to take place. And like I said, it, sometimes it takes um, 18 to 24 months, sometimes even 36 months before a dog is fully ready to go with a handler too once they, um, once they perform those tasks on a regular basis. And then the last item that we'll talk about is emotional support dogs. And this is a big um, issue everywhere, especially on flights. I mean, we've heard more and more stories about how emotional support dogs have bit passengers, have bit flight attendants, have not behaved appropriately in an airport. Um, and the biggest thing is basically it's people being selfish and wanting to take their personal pets on a plane with them to travel without either leaving them at home or, or traveling them, you know, in cargo if, if that's where they have to go. You know, and there are Legitimate reasons my people may need an emotional support dog. You do have to have a doctor's note to have one, and maybe you do have an issue with flying, or maybe you need it in, in a hotel room for some reason. But emotional support dogs are not service dogs. They are not allowed in restaurants. They are not allowed allowed in, you know, certain um, certain environments that I mean they're they don't they're not allowed in all all places. So you need to know where exactly um, you're needing that that emotional support dog for. And there is no. Um, certification for an emotional support dog for a service dog. Although I think that the industry at some point may, may look to do that. But again, there's, you know, there's some um, benefits and drawbacks to that too, because regulating that industry can be really difficult. There's nothing wrong with an owner trained service dog. If that owner is working with a trainer and knows what they're doing. Um, but to just, you know, train your own dog, you know, from what you read in a book and on the internet is not probably going to give you the the dog that you need and may perform in every situation that you need it to perform into. So the biggest thing with an emotional support dog, at a minimum, um, if I were to work with somebody that needed to have one, they need to be able to have um, basic obedience commands. They need to be able to perform, uh, pass their canine good citizen and their canine good citizen advanced. Most likely, maybe their canine good citizen urban too, depending on where the person is going to be utilizing them. And a public access test. Like, I mean, they should be able to leave food on the floor. They should be able to leave distractions. They should be able to focus on their handler. Like, I want them to be a well-behaved pet when they're in public um, to assist their handler in whatever they would need them for for that emotional support. Um, I don't want people petting my emotional support dog. I don't want people ideally. Now, some people, if they have a service dog, typically they're wearing, they may be wearing a vest or a harness or something like that too. So once the handler takes that off, then that dog may be able to run free. I mean, even as a working dog, they need, they need time to stretch their legs. They need to run. They need to you know, get some of that energy off too. So there are times and places for that, but it's on, but it's under the handler's discretion. Um, but ideally, we just want to make sure that we're respecting the handlers 
and the service dog owners um, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're giving them privacy. We're giving them respect. We're not trying to um, call their dogs names to us. We're not trying to um, distract their dogs in any way from the tax tasks that they're meant to perform. Um, we want them to be able to um, get through life as, as easily as they can without being bombarded by questions and comments and, um, you know, um, name calling and things like that, or, or, you know, throwing food at dogs and trying to, trying to trip them up a little bit too. Um, so we want to be as respectful as we can when we do that. Um, if you have questions about therapy dogs or emotional support dogs or service dogs, you know, don't hesitate to give us a call. We're happy to, um, we're happy to assist you. We're happy to, um, you know, connect you with right agencies and resources. Um, we may we may assess and determine that your dog is not the right fit for what you need, but we can help you find what it is that you do need. Because um, we want everybody to be successful, but we also want to make sure that you're utilizing um, the right dog to make that to make that most beneficial for you as well. If you are looking to find us, we do have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash canine, or Facebook, yeah, dot com slash canine techniques. And our website is www.advancedcaninetechniques.com. We do have some canine social play opportunities and new classes starting in September. So take a look at those calendars and schedules and feel free to contact us if you have any questions. Um, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Bark Talk. For more information, go to our website, advancedcaninetechniques.com, or find us on Facebook.